0: Welcome
1: to the Wegs of SCI podcast,
0: where we discuss life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury. Hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Page. This podcast is proudly sponsored by WishArt Brain and Spine Law. Led by our personal mentor and lawyer Robin Wishart, Wishart Brain and Spine Law is a uniquely specialized law firm located in Vancouver, British Columbia.
1: They focus their practice on complex spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury cases. And they work with clients all over North America as advocates and a much needed resource in the spinal cord injury community.
0: Robin and her team look at their clients differently than other firms. You're not just a case, you're a person with a family, a life, and a purpose.
1: They are always looking for ways to help improve the quality of life for their clients by providing the support they need for their recovery, such as assisting with insurance and benefits paperwork, finding resources for home adaptations, setting up medical appointments with doctors and specialists and making sure that their clients are doing physically and mentally okay
0: wish our brain and spine law is proud to support wags of sci robin is committed to helping clients and their families any way that she can because she wants you to live your life and not your claim your first
1: consultation is always free so contact them at brainandspinelaw.com and make sure to mention that the WAGs of STI sent
0: you. This episode is sponsored by Rolling in Paradise. Rolling in Paradise is a disabled-owned and operated family business owned by Annalisa and John, specializing in adaptive equipment for an active lifestyle. John is a C4, C5 quad for 34 years and has been using adaptive equipment for many years. He hand cycles daily and has been in the adaptive equipment industry for over 20 years. Annalise and John have been together since 2007 and they have two furry kids. They love to be outdoors, going to the beach, cycling, and any activities to enjoy the sunshine.
1: They are proud to offer the following manufacturers. Madeline Hand Bikes, Sport On Hand Cycles, Reactive Adaptation Hand Cycles, Trigger Attachable Hand bike, Everyday Wheelchairs including lights, Motion Composites, Hands-On Concepts and Colors, Power Assist Devices such as Spinner G, ZX1, Smart Drive, and Freedom Tracks. And lastly, some accessories and other adaptive equipment, Easy Stand, Quadra Grip, Spinner G Wheels, Roho, and Stimuli Cushions, and much, much more.
0: You can contact Annalise and John by going to their website at
1: rollinginparadise.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wags of SCI podcast with your hosts, Elena, Pauly and Brooke Paget. Today, we have a bit of an update for you, so stay tuned. And as always, thank you for spending this time with us today. Hi,
0: everyone. We are excited because we had a big um, milestone decision come in um, at the end of last week. And we're excited to finally update you guys uh, about the saga of our personal cases and advocating for paid spousal or family caregiving. So we've gone into a lot of details in um previous podcasts about this. And so anyone who's been following along the past year knows that, um, I was in the final stages of, uh, appealing a decision to be hired as my partner's caregiver paid caregiver. So anyone who doesn't know just a quick, quick rundown. Um, my partner has been injured for seven and a half years. He's a C4 injury. And we have been alone kind of in this battle against our insurance company to be able to have him hire me as a paid caregiver. And what does this mean? This means that I wouldn't be not compensated anymore. I would be actually be able to be hired under the self-managed care program, which is very similar to most insurance programs where they allow you to hire your own staff. So what happened was you know he's been asking to go on this program for for years and they keep saying either no or you know Brooke cannot be hired because she's your spouse there's really no other reason given except it's uh they don't pay for spousal caregiving so what happened then was that we just started going through the process and from that it's been it's been a few years now and we finally received the final Decision from a lawyer panel called the tribunal, which is the final step in appealing an in insurance board
1: decision. So there's three steps before that, um, and that came in on Friday. And so, when did you guys take the first step? Like, if you kind of like rewind a little bit, um, ooh, how, like, what was the? I, I want to say, like, what was the process? Or what happened to make you guys, you know, sort of think we need to sort of deviate from having caregivers in home? And what when did you take the first step, and how long after was was the next appeal?
0: So I literally asked his case manager when we were doing the first visit for renovations, um, so he could move home from GF Strong Rehab. I said to her, I was like, "Hey, like we are not the type of people that want to have a third person in our relationship." Um, so. My husband is definitely, I knew about the program. I knew about the self-managed care program already. And I said, my husband's going to want to hire me at least part-time because, you know, he requires 24-7 care um, and, you know, we're going to want to do that. And so she like looked me in the face and said, absolutely not. You're not permitted because you're the spouse. He can hire anybody else but you. And I said, so basically you're punishing me for wanting to have a private relationship at the home with my husband. And she said, that's just, the, it's, the, it's the law. That's the way that it works. And I said, okay. And at that time I was like, new to all of this, right? So I didn't question it. I just was like, okay, I looked up in the policy book. I saw that she was right. It did say in there that, you know, they call it arm's length caregivers not permitted. So any anybody with a familial tie is not permitted to be paid under the program. So I would be, I would have to accept that I would be an unpaid caregiver if I wanted privacy for with Evan and I. So that's kind of how it started. And then we went through a year and a half of a rotating door of caregivers. And there was a lot of issues with the care they were providing. He ended up in the hospital twice um they just you know one didn't I've told this story in the podcast before but one called in sick 82 times and I took over uh all his care and but it was kind of meant to be because during that time um I learned
1: how to do all of his care really really well right because who else is there (laughs) no one literally it was just like me and him yeah. And that's something that we've always said is that at the end of the day, after family and friends go home, we are the ones that are there with mm-hmm. our partners. But also too, it's do you really want your family and friends to be there? This is like personal private time also just to be together that you know, the trade-off is I'd rather do the care and the privacy of my home without a stranger coming in and do it properly. And also just be with my partner without people walking around in your home, in your space.
0: Well, and you have the same kind of perspective when it comes to evenings, like you and Dan are like, kind of like, uh-huh. uh, we don't want someone coming in, putting me to bed at
1: eight and getting in our business. Like when we're trying to relax. Oh at my end God. Of the day. Eight. eight is like late. They wanted to put him in, a, into bed at six thirty.
0: Ugh, yeah. And I'm sure it's people 30, listening yeah. right now will will understand that it's like when you go that route, which we're not dogging this at all. Like no. you know, every it's a personal, very, very personal decision. And everybody has the right to decide what is right for them, right? But for us, both Elena and I, we're kind mm-hmm. of like, okay, well, we don't want to kind of go around the caregiver schedule. Are they gonna show up? Are they not gonna show up? Why does he have to go to that's, bed at 30 Because he's disabled.
1: That doesn't make yeah, any sense. That's that's also a big one. Good point that you just made there. Will they even show up? Will yeah. they even show up? Up. Will they show up on time? Most likely not. Here in Vancouver, clearly, no, proven never, this. Never, <laughs> never happens. Will be. They- we even had actually, um, we're still sort of juggling our caregivers for the morning routine because we've switched sections or sorry, sectors of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, and we even had somebody come in the other day saying, I don't know how to do the bowel program. So then we were like, why were you sent here? Yeah. <laughs> why? Why do well, you Well, the worst part there? is that is so insulting to us because,
0: you know, they're basically saying like, we know how to do all this. We provide the best care. We okay. just do it. Right. And then we don't get compensated because we're a spouse. Like it makes no sense.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like you and I always say, just to quote Rosalind Carter, there are only four kinds of people in the world. Those who have been caregivers, those who are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers and those who will need a caregiver. So once again, why is this episode important that Brooke finally got some good news is because it affects you and everybody you know.
0: Yeah. So this was, so after kind of like, we decided after um, those caregivers, just the revolving door, I'm calling in sick, all that. I was like, you know what? Screw this. We're going to go to California. I'm going to do this on my own. We're going to try it out. And then we just never went back to having caregivers because we just had, this was like our version of freedom. Yeah. It was stressful getting used to at the beginning. And and yes, like the trade-off is, is we have a you know, a very low stress life in every other area by choice. Like we're, we're very low key. We don't, you know, like we don't socialize that much. We like, we, we just keep it very calm and relaxed because I am the only caregiver. And I know I would get stressed out if, if I had too much to do, you know what I mean? Well,
1: also it takes energy to entertain. Like when you have people over you, you know, like, you know, a different partnership would be both of you are preparing the meals or serving drinks or, you know, getting things ready. And, Or even like taking, managing your pets, taking the dogs for a walk or all that stuff. But when you have guests over, especially guests that um, aren't really hands-on and need the catering to and need your energy, sometimes that can be very difficult to navigate because by the time everybody else is fed and they have their drinks and by the time you sit down, it's like time to get up and start cleaning up again, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's so, just, it's just yeah. a personal trade off. It's just like, what, what fills your cup up? What makes you overflow with, you know, and we had to, re- we had to reduce a lot of stuff and that's totally fine because th- our For priority sure. was like our privacy. Our priority was like, um, figuring out how to mold our lives to suit, um, just not being stressed, which has taught us a lot about each other and ourselves and whatever. So the point is, and and this is why the Washington Post article was done about unpaid caregivers, is that Mm-hmm. It should On, be August your 6. choice. Yeah, if you yes. want to, if you haven't heard, if you've been living under a rock, um, <laughs> Google Washington Post unpaid caregivers and um, the whole which we expose. all have,
1: <laughs> yeah. which we've all been living under a rock since it's COVID and we're still yes. <laughs> in that yes. vulnerable community. So yeah, so Amber Ferguson did an amazing job. She's a good friend of ours. We've been so lucky to to stay in contact with her since the 2017 article. So big shout yeah. out to that yeah. amazing female.
0: Yeah. So make sure you, you read that and share that if you haven't already, but basically it breaks down in the States, um, how much of a problem it is and how, you know, we should be given the choice. Like if we're qualified for providing care and we tick all the boxes, you should not be discarded just because you're a spouse or a family member.
1: You know what? Actually, my sister was just here from Quebec. Um, and, and I was sort of filling her in with, you know, the Washington Post article and why it's important and the work that we're doing. Um, Because even, you know, it's always interesting for me to see family members and how they or friends respond to the WAGs of SEI and running to the WAGs of, running the group WAGs of SEI. And a lot of them think, oh, you know, it's just a bunch of cute Instagram posts. They don't realize that we've been at the forefront for, since the beginning of time, really trying to change policy and pave a new way for other women. Because sometimes, um, the cute stuff is fun. It's a lot of fun to do, you know, do the features and have the resource page and have Robin Wishard, you know, literally catering to every single woman and, and their personal cases. And we're so lucky for to have that. But it's really nice when things like the article comes out with the Washington Post, because you're able to sort of comprehend the level of inequality for so many of these couples and women and when you start to sort of put the words out there like I was telling my sister the whole thing with with caregivers when they're coming in um will they show up and the reason we don't have nighttime care is because they want to put my partner to bed at 6 30 and it's just so cool to see the look on her face she's just blown away like how is this even happening how is this even a thing
0: Yeah, well, and I think that there's a big thing about like, um, you know, companies that are in power, like insurance companies they're just so focused on keeping money and main, and 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 not providing things so they can keep their bonuses coming in and they can keep their billions of dollars coming in every year even though all of us pay into insurance throughout our entire lives so that when something happens like this where every single one of us is going to need insurance at one point for a, yeah. a reason or another and you know we've paid into it and the fact that you have to work <clears throat> you have to work so hard to have a
1: life that is
0: kind of what you want and that is normal is just, it is shocking.
1: It's well, and to even access to even access your own rightful protection that you've paid into that, that nobody says, Hey, I can't wait to have insurance cover my disability. Nobody says that. Well, and able-bodied
0: people, they think that, oh, I pay into great insurance, but what they don't know is that insurance is, they're companies too, and they're only concerned about the bottom line. And that's what people don't get is like when you need them, you still have to fight tooth and nail.
1: But you know what, changing this policy for anybody listening who is a parent or a single parent, let's say, like my sister is. Um, And, you know, I said to her, this leaks into domestic female inequality on so so many levels this is not just about unpaid spousal caregivers but also the women who are raising babies on their own and have no coverage either why is that that you know the government really doesn't doesn't provide a whole heap of protection for you and that's a full-time job as well Mm -hmm. so you know these little steps you know you you hear us talking about this so so often and so much it's because it's like a domino effect. This should matter to you because you will be that person at some point in your life that whether you're an, you know, old in your little squeaky rocking chair and you need a caregiver or you don't have family members to take care of you, or you don't have any protection. Um, this will matter to you too. So stand well, with yeah. us.
0: Yeah. And like what you we were even talking about earlier before the podcast is about like our families, like our old parents that need care and how mm-hmm. the system as it is, they rely so much on, especially during COVID, family caregivers. Um, they have a reserve of money to pay staff to come in, but because you're a family caregiver, they cannot compensate you for your time and energy. And it's just, right. it's so backwards. And it's something that, you know, all, all we can do as Brooke and Elena is work on Brooke and Elena's thing and kind of work from there because that's kind of all we have the power to do. And so for anyone listening, what we decided a couple of years ago was we were going to work on our own personal cases behind the scenes and just work the steps with our lawyer and just see what is possible because it was just, you know, we're like, this isn't fair. What can we do? Well, all we can do is work from our own personal cases and we can go from there. So um, we're kind of hoping that by all this work that we've done in our personal cases, we'll be able to spread the news and create change in to inspire other people to work on their own cases and what is possible.
1: Right. Absolutely. And that's the whole point is that don't give up. How long did it take you guys to get this appeal letter?
0: So we submitted an application. So we had to go through all the steps. So we submitted an application uh, two years ago um, for Evan to apply for this program. And, So what happened was his case manager got back to him and said, okay, your your application is accepted. Um, However, it's on the condition that you do not hire your wife. And he said, well, that's the only reason I'm doing it. So what do I need to do to get through that? And he's like, well, okay, I'll send you a, a decision letter. And so what happened was it was back and forth for a while. He was giving us this misinformation, like he was pretending like he was on our side, like he was saying like, oh, I I know how good Brooke is at your care. And I know your choice, worker's choice and client choice um, to care is important. And I really think that, you know, my manager will approve this because there is fine print that says, you know, that unless prior approval by a service manager or director. So that was the kind of hook that he had us in waiting, which I now realize he was just trying to delay it more and more so that we waited for about three months. We finally got, um, And his, his tune totally changed. He basically like came back to Evan was like, no, there's no way I'm approving this. Nope. Like this isn't going to happen because we think that he talked to his superiors and his superiors were probably like, no, once you say yes to this, to one person, then it's just, you know, the doors open for others. So it was very weird. And so then Evan said, okay, send me a decision letter. And so then what happened was the case manager sent the decision letter. It basically said, you know, you wanted to get on this program in order to hire your wife. And these are the reasons why you cannot do that. And so it was about six pages long. And it basically said, you know, it's, it's too close for, for comfort. And, um, you know, we know this is your choice, but we think that this would be a bad decision because she's within arm's length and, you know, she's your wife and she's this and that. Like, it was just all very, very sexist, very, um, uh-huh. really sexist. Terminology And really outdated stuff that they were saying. And so immediately we appealed it. So <clears throat> we had three months to get our appeal together. 90 days it was a deadline. So that what I did was I literally with Evan went through each of their points and cross-referenced it to various, because what's great about insurance is they have to quote policies every time they deny you something. So you can use that to your advantage. So you go into what they said and they quote the policy. You go into the policy and you like look at it and you say, okay, how can I refute this policy with evidence? So I went through all of his points and refuted his policy with evidence. So I basically cited the human rights charter saying that they can't discriminate. Um, based on marital status or family status. I also cited um, information from the charter about discriminating against Evan hiring who he wants based on his disability, because I kind of thought that it it was discriminatory based on the fact that they're saying, no, you can't hire who is best for your care which is, is discriminatory. Like right. he wants to hire someone who's best for his care and he has proof that it's best for his care.
1: And I mean, in the long run, anybody who wants to hire who they want to yeah. hire should be able to have that. Yeah. Because the people, the people who care are usually family members over just yeah. you being a number in a room at a facility.
0: Yeah, it's not only that. It's they're putting him into a place, a really bad position where he, as an employer, because he would be considered an employer under this program, mm-hmm. he under this program as his own boss, as an employer would have to discriminate against me. So he was kind of like, I don't want to be put in that position where I have to discriminate, um, someone who is more than qualified to be hired based Mm -hmm. on their marital status that he's like, then I would be going against the charter of rights and freedoms of Canada. right? Right. So that was one big point that we had. And then the other points obviously was they they were saying that I wasn't qualified. So I just cited like six years of caring for a high-level quadriplegic by myself with no health issues, Um, shining reviews from his GP and his physiatrist. I included notes from both of them. And then I basically... Just wrote about how the care that he was subjected to on various occasions was just subpar and not okay. And so then after that, we waited another six months because that's how long it took for the appeal officer, who is supposed to be independent of the insurance company, took to get back to us. And so they finally got back to us and it was... It was so disappointing. It was like the most disappointing thing because we've appealed stuff in the past and it has all gone through, no problem. Big appeals, like big, big deal appeals. And this time it she didn't give any reasoning. Like she just basically said, no, she's within arm's length. Um, this isn't possible. You, you cannot hire your wife. This decision is not uh, overturned. Um, basically it was like, <laughs> you can't do what you want, but she didn't address any of the issues. So she didn't address the fact that I had level one first aid, the fact that I had Mm -hmm. six years experience, the fact that I had, you know, a clean criminal record check, that literally is all the boxes for the, you know, people to be hired. And she never addressed any of that. She didn't address any of the human rights complaint. And part of an appeal and part of a reviews officer's job is to take what I said and cite policies that make it so that, they can overtake those. Right. You know what I mean? Like yes. they, they're they supposed to cite policies and say, okay, this is why that can't go through. This is why that can't, go through. this is why the right. worker's choice can't be listened to, but she didn't do that. So mm. it was almost like just, it was weird. And I got the weirdest vibe from it. Her tone in the letter was very weird too. It was just kind of like, go away.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. And so then after that, the final step was the, Appro- uh, appeal tribunal which is another set of completely independent lawyers but it's a panel right and so what they do is it takes a long time because you open up your file to them your insurance file so you they what happens is the insurance company sends the entire file um to this independent body of panel of lawyers and they examine the case and so then i had to write another appeal for that and along with that um our lawyer, Robin Wishart wrote another six page um, appeal with like legal cases listed in it that were overturned at the Supreme court level um, that were very similar in what we're going through that had been overturned in the past. And so basically all of that work, (laughs) so much, so much work. I think my last one was 13 pages of like, just, it's just, you're constantly fighting. You're constantly saying like, this is not OK, but it needs to be done. It's just like a full time job. Anyways,
1: I think I think the most frustrating part about it is that there isn't any different definitive answer from them. Then sure, it's just no, it can't be no, it can't yeah. be. So, you're no, consistent. this is the policies. This is yeah. the way it is. Yeah, there's no proof, whereas you're consistently coming back with more paperwork and more letters and more research and more studies and more proof as why it should. Yeah, so that's the frustrating part is just no. No, yeah. that's just the way
0: it is. Yeah, and and, and that's a tactic, right? They want you yeah. to be intimidated. They want you to go away. They don't want you to take that final step. And even if you do take that final step, that's six more months of non-payment that they don't have to deal with, right? This is exactly. a tactic. And this is all yeah. insurance companies do this. They want you to go away. They know you can't afford to have a lawyer. They know you can't afford to sit around and research all of this stuff and think outside of the box and look at the legal stuff that goes like I literally spent hours and hours searching through public cases um, in BC that had to do with family caregivers and I found a lot of cases where um that that Robin used as well of like you know things that have been overturned so I think that's a really good thing to do is like familiarize yourself with this
1: stuff anyways so um and don't be, don't get, what's the word I'm looking for? Distracted. I guess, yeah. Well, yeah. Don't be distracted like Elena <laughs> right now. Um, no, don't be intimidated. Yeah. You know, don't be intimidated and don't think you're alone in this journey of this very, very long, hard fight that Dan and I are about to begin. So. Don't, yeah. don't be discouraged because there is yeah. a light at the end of the tunnel. Even with your guys's appeal, when you told me, I was just like, oh, my God. I couldn't even believe it. I'm going to cry for
0: you guys. Well, and here's the thing. is like even Robin said when I talked to her about the decision, because the decision came in last week. And um, basically, the board of uh, lawyers that sat on this and that went through his file took six months. And um, they basically was – they were – I mean, they they use legal terminology in the letter, but this is 20 pages long. And they basically say that they're pretty horrified with the treatment that, that we've been, um, facing. And so I think mm-hmm. in this podcast, like, so we wanted to go over three or four points, um, that we've pretty much proven, um, are illegal and, um, we wanted to make sure that everybody knows about this because we think that they can be applied to your own individual cases as well. Um, so the first one that he really, the, the managing lawyer that was writing this that he really, um, reinstated over and over again was a track record of solid care. So he basically didn't care about anything other than, um, Evan wasn't hospitalized. He hasn't had any UTIs he's had a really, really good track record of excellent health for someone with a spinal cord injury. And he was like, clearly the spouse knows how to care for her husband. Otherwise it would be a different story. The proof is in the pudding. He would be hospitalized. He would be on antibiotics. He would have something going on. So that was number one. It was like a track record of like years of quality care. The second thing was like the human rights issue. So Basically, he fully said that he agreed with us that it was against his right as someone with a disability to hire who they think is the best care based on discrimination. He also said that it was indeed against the Charter of Human Rights, discrimination against marital or family status. So he basically said in his words and his legal terminology that he doesn't understand why or how they can do this. Like it's not legal what they're doing.
1: Right. Right. And also also from what you shared with me is what I really like is that, um, you know, he said that there is no, there's, there's literally no proof that the, that what you and Evan are doing, that the the system that you have in place is taking advantage Mm -hmm. of I guess the system of caregiving, like there is no evidence present that you and Evan are abusing the system of what you're doing to be asked to be paid as his caregiver. And you know how impressed he was that you've been doing this work for so long without any funding or compensation and that Evan is in such great health.
0: Yeah. And he literally said here, I'll, I'll, I'll read this. He says, however, in the present appeal and as already mentioned, the worker's spouse has already been carrying out the duties in question for a lengthy time period. There is no evidence to suggest that this has been unduly strained on the marital relationship or that the worker's psychological well-being is imperiled. In other words, I'm able to uh, unable to see any relevant factor that weighs substantially against permitting the worker in the present appeal and his spouse from contracting together for the services in question. So basically, he's he goes on to say like they're they're not giving any reason other than she's the wife, yeah, and that's not legal, right?
1: Oh, I love it! I love it.
0: Yeah. And it's just, it's so funny because like, clearly I'm not allowed to share like the exact wording of all of this with all of Mm -hmm. you guys. But um, yeah, I mean, basically everything he said, everything we said and worked so hard to do, he agreed with. Um, He says here, the relevant factors in favor of permitting the worker's spouse to contract with the worker have already been described above. The opposing factors are not obvious to me at all. There is a brief reference in the manual to, quote, conflict of interest and lack of independence of the worker. However... The mischief inherent in these concepts is not further described, and I have some difficulty understanding such concerns in the present appeal. I have reviewed a number of prior appellate decisions, and there is some concern about inaccurate reporting or padding of work hours and other misconduct. However, that concern can surely be managed through the board supervision and auditing process. I would suggest that the workers first be given the opportunity of demonstrating prudent use of the self-managed care benefit rather than being assumed to be dishonest from the onset. So like basically saying, like, why are they being punished, being punished for wanting to do this? Like, why are you assuming that they're going to be dishonest and take advantage of the system?
1: And isn't the whole the whole premise of the legal system is to be proven innocent before (laughs) or being assumed being assumed innocent before being proven guilty, I, I should say, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of where you guys are at now.
0: Yeah. So um, everything was approved and I am to be treated just like any other employee um, when it comes to consideration of hiring based on my relevant so- skills and experience. So
1: do wanted- they, they have a wage set for you or how does that come about? Is that the okay. next step?
0: Yeah, that's the next step because the next, the next the wages that they put on this program are I think $2 above minimum wage and it just doesn't, it's not the, um, it's not the union minimum for any caregiver in BC. It's well below that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the next step is like the next step is we're going to try and work to have that changed, but it's all a process. Right. And yeah. it's kind of like the attitude of like, you know, we don't have anything to lose by going through this. We no, can't no. just sit around and have this be what it is. Like I remember when I was reviewing the Cecil handbook, which yeah. is what you guys are going to go through. It is almost identical to the works. Yeah. Had. It's almost identical. Like the only difference is, is your guys' wages are way higher for whatever reason. Um, so you guys have the same stipulation on your contract. It basically says, and I believe yours says um, that, you know you can't hire a fam- familiar caregiver um, without written consent right like i right. think there's like a gray area still there yeah which it kind of leaves it open right it leaves right. it open to anything and now we know based on this report he said that these policies and handbooks are not legal they're not right. they're not legal in nature so he doesn't have to follow them
1: yeah that's which very is interesting. also it's but very
0: interesting but they're policies of insurance right they're like this is what people don't understand the, insurance policies are not laws they're no. what they govern their staff to do with people so that's why it makes it so you can appeal everything because they're not laws
1: they're just right. their own policies right and i think people just start they get so intimidated that they don't question they just ju- they just accept what is the way it is but then people suffer from that right without because let's face it who's got the energy and time and motivation and <sighs> I guess skill even to be able to read over this sort of documentation and examine it and take it apart piece by piece mm-hmm. you know not not everybody has that in them to do that and have that personality to do that so that's well no I,
0: this is why we're we're doing what we're doing is because yes. when you have that kind of seed of hope where you know that it's just you that's getting in your way if you start to go through the process however way you can um like you're you're not gonna lose anything from it right like you're you're doing the care anyways like people in our situation need to know you are doing and providing the care anyways so if you go through a process like this it's not going to change anything the worst that can happen is you'll get denied but then you just appeal it and you keep going and it's not like it's not something you should be stressed about but you know that there's hope at the end of the tunnel like there's 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 these things are illegal
1: yeah for sure Well, anyways, bravo, this is a big, big deal for us. This is a big, big deal for you and everybody else who's part of this group um, to know that there is hope and that you should not give up and we will always have your back and be able to support you any way we can
0: yeah and if anyone has any questions as always you can email us wags of sci at gmail.com um, or visit our website wigsofsci.com. and uh, if you have any questions about like if you're navigating this yourself and you have legal questions please contact robin wishart at wishart brain and spine law she is spearheading these cases for us she understands um and has other clients that are also going through this so she knows the ins and outs make sure you give her a call or send her an email um she's been hugely helpful she also supports the wags of sci by sponsoring the podcast so she's just been an amazing angel that for this group so take yeah. advantage of her support and show her some love and uh, use her resources if you to
1: that's right and so until next time have a beautiful week ahead and please feel free to reach out with any questions or comments to likes of sei at gmail.com have a good one cheers. Outreach Group, Wags of SCI, is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights
0: for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our Wags, including counseling, and our amazing meetup led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe.
1: If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wagsofsci.com or donate directly to the Wags of SCI Go page. We thank you for your support to help make this group
0: possible and make a difference in the lives of STI couples worldwide.